Welcome to the Grow People Podcast, everyone, with Pastor Jason, lead pastor of Revolution Church. Yes, that's me. Back from Texas. Arkansas. Arkansas. Sorry, Arkansas. Yeah, it is confusing. It is confusing. You have family in both places. I do, yes. And I have to tell this, explain it all the time, which is fine. I don't mind. My father is from South Arkansas. My mother is from Texas. And, well, my dad's part of the family was from Texas as well. They moved to South Arkansas for the oil boom that was going on there. So that's where my dad grew up. But then when he graduated, moved to Texas. So we're from Texas. But then my dad's family still lives in Arkansas. So that's where I go back to for Thanksgiving. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, we'll get very, 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 very good. Uh, we'll get, we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, my name is David Stein. I'm the campus pastor at the uh, Canton location. Of don't Revolution dismiss Church. yourself. You, you were like, oh, my name is David Stein. Okay. My name is David Stein. Yeah. We're glad that you are the campus pastor. I am glad too. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the purpose of the grow people podcast is to grow people, help grow people. That's, that's the purpose. Are uh, we saying it with more words now? No. I said grow people. Yeah. And then you said. That's the purpose. Yeah. I was just reiterating. Yeah. But then you said to help grow people. To help. Um, I didn't know if we were changing it up and you didn't, we didn't discuss that. Oh, no. It's always been to help grow people. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's always been the purpose. There's <laughs> never been another purpose. It's always been the purpose. I was speaking <laughs> of the exact wording that we're using. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you would say. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to, to grow then, people. Yeah. You're right. And then you said yeah. to help mm -hmm. grow people. What is written in the script is help, and I never look at it. Oh. Okay. So I looked at it today. And so you actually said, said the full. Said the word help. To help grow people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just didn't know if we were, mm -hmm. do we need an acronym for help? You know, I wasn't sure. Just what call back to the hamburger helper reference. Oh, there you uh, go. So there you go. Um, yeah. Half our staff is down the hall watching the USA Iran. Is that how you pronounce it? Iran, 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 yeah. We just know it's not Iran. Yes, no, Iran, Iran. Yeah, um, they're watching soccer. Yeah, uh, right now. Football. So, Watch, watching football. Okay. Are you in, are you into the football? Yeah. Love it. You, yeah. Well, you played soccer. I did. I actually, it was the very first sport that I played, mm -hmm. and I started at five years old mm -hmm. and played all the way through high school. I had college scholarships to play in college, but chose not. Just like American football, chose not to. Went into ministry. So yeah, soccer. What I would call soccer what our British friends, well, what the rest of the world would yeah. call football. <laughs> Let me clarify that. Uh, just like we, you know, the rest of the world is on the metric system. We're not, yes. you know, we like to make our own things. We've here got the two the liter bottle of Coke and the nine millimeter handgun. That's, that's the metric that we got. That's, <laughs> that was good. That's all. That, is there anything else measured in metric? Uh, nothing. I don't know. I, uh, I can't definitively say, but I would say that that's probably, probably true i've got a ruler yeah and i've never measured how many centimeters this is yeah no well that's what makes now we're on a different subject but i like it uh, it's funny like how'd you come up with the foot it's literally the foot it is like your foot yeah it's like oh that's about how long it is it's a foot you know it's very american how they come up with meter i don't know well it was actually based on a 10 point system yeah it's the metric system is way smarter is way it makes me way more sense to use. Well, when I was in elementary school, yeah. we had to learn it because everything was going that direction. Everything was. Yeah. By by 1979, yeah. everything will be metric. Every That's what they said. And now it's 2022, and we have the two-liter bottle of Coke and a nine-millimeter. Yeah, that's all that's, we got. That, that's it. 
We got foots and inches and yards. <laughs> yeah, we got our own. We had our own stuff. What okay. were we talking about before that? Arkansas, soccer, soccer. soccer. That's what it was. Yeah, soccer. the rest of the world yeah. in football. Yes. So yes, um, love it. Yeah. And I had the over in the uh, in the first match against England. The that's, over. That's, I took the over. What was it? Um, more than nil. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was nil nil. That's that was the that, score. That's the thing that's funny to a lot of Americans. Again, it's the largest sport in the world, and at one time was the also the fastest growing. I don't know if it still is, but people don't like a tie score. It's so funny. They're like, oh, nothing happened. They didn't score any goals. But if you understand the game, if you if you see what's happening, mm-hmm. that's why I like. Uh, the sport it's a lot of fun to watch if you know what you're looking for it's very you know ex- I mean? it's very exciting yeah. and until we went to a atlanta united match yeah this year i i had no idea yeah oh it's that, ruckus there's yeah. there's no more exciting live sporting event other than like a really great college football game agreed yeah then going to your first soccer event yeah yeah it's very cool yeah it's a ton of fun all right it's the grow people podcast um and the for- purpose is to- or help grow people, either one. I've heard it both ways. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that in there. Um, first question. Did you? Yes. Did you? Every, everybody wants to know. I, I guarantee. Really, everybody? Everybody. Because I'm sure you got texts. I'm sure. I did. Yeah. So did you go to Kennesaw and wait four hours in line for a Whataburger? I did not do that. Okay. Well, no. that was the question. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but I did eat Whataburger, though. <laughs> I had it four times while I was gone. So that's what I thought you were going to ask me. No, no. I, uh, I wanted to know if you actually went down to Kennesaw. No, it was supposed to open back in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we were told. We check on it all the time to yeah. see when it was going to open. <laughs> but there was a fancy ketchup shortage. Yeah, so it was supposed to open then. And then for whatever reason, it didn't. I don't know if it was building or staffing, whatever. But yeah, it, it opened, but only the drive through is open. Mm-hmm. not the inside. Mm-hmm. So it is literally like a two to three hour wait in a drive through line. And since I just had it, I'll wait. Okay. Uh, but what's funny is I was listening on 95.5 in the traffic helicopter. Mm-hmm. They had it flying over Waterburger looking at the traffic. <laughs> um, so we were laughing about that. It Like that's how epic it is that it's, I mean, what other restaurant do you know is going to get that? And so there's police out there. There are people out there directing traffic. You heard somebody that had to wait, what, like four, four hours. hours in yeah. line? So it is a monumental thing. Yeah, yeah. That I, it is open. I, I don't know if there, may, maybe in my younger days, I, I would have done something like, hey, let, hey let's, go ha- let's go wait in line for a Whataburger. Yeah. Now, I would drive six hours each way to the donut hole for a glazed donut. Yeah. I, I would do that. So, yeah. so, yeah, maybe age has nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> But someday on the podcast, we'll have to get into your particular Whataburger burger. Okay. Because um, I, I want to. Because I well, I want to know why do you do the single patty? Gotcha. I mean, is that a is it is it nostalgia that you get the single patty? Was well, that day today that we're going to get into? Apparently, this? Uh, I wasn't sure. You said someday. <laughs> I said someday, but so I now, don't know if I should answer. We're, we're into it all. We're only eight minutes in. People people expect something for the first ten minutes. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. True. Okay. Yeah, my order is again it's not it's basic it's a number one mayonnaise and cheese only no vegetables uh the basic water burger comes with mustard and vegetables 
Well, I don't like mustard. I like mayonnaise, and I don't like vegetables because if I wanted that, we're, not, we're not talking broccoli and carrots. We're no, talking lettuce, tomatoes, lettuce, tomato, onions. Yeah, what it pickles. I never heard anybody call them vegetables. Well, I just say that. Okay, like, no vegetables. Okay. you know, because um, I don't want to go down the list. Right, you know what I mean. So I'm categorically saying, oh, okay, yeah, I don't want to say hold the lettuce, hold the tomatoes, hold this. You uh, you are conserving your energy. Yeah, I am. I gotta for the know, Whataburger. That's right. So I will roll up to a window or a line, number one, mayonnaise, cheese only, no vegetables, um, and then fries and a drink. So Single patty, though. Single patty. It is a bigger burger. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it's not a quarter pounder. Um, or maybe it's just, it's just whiter. But on a toasted, buttered, toasted bun. And so, yeah, that's all I would ever get. Hmm. And um, now sometimes, like, especially when I was younger, I get large fries and a large drink. But um, like Jackson, when he goes, he'll get a triple meat, you know, because okay. he's eating. I mean, when I was younger, I, I would get a double meat, okay, you know. But as my standard basic order, that's what I get all the time. Number one, mayonnaise and cheese only, no vegetables. And you don't find this out in Welcome Track. No, you don't. We, we we want you to go through Welcome Track to find out who we are, what's our DNA, what's our culture. But if you really want to go deeper into who we are as a church. Listen to the Grow People podcast. That's right, which the purpose is Grow People. <laughs> All right. Heard it both ways. Okay, so we're in John 17. There's yeah. a nice segue. Uh, <laughs> heard it both ways. <laughs> uh, we're in John chapter 17. Every time I make a mistake, I, it just it's just funny that way. I don't think you made a mistake, did you? Well, no. Anytime I flub a word, like in a sermon or something like uh, that, yeah. I'll correct it, and then I'll go, I've heard it both ways. Got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah. is your standard. Yeah, yeah. Which what does I, it mean to flub a word? Flub? Yeah. Mess up? Is that the definition of the word flub? flub? I hope it yeah. is. <laughs> I was just wondering. I hope so. I mean, you said it very confidently, so I didn't know if... I mean, I've heard it that way. Yeah. Good. And the other way. Good. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, yeah, but I got it from... Uh, uh, Let's look this up. What is... Uh, I got it from the TV show that's really funny with... You were du- trying to remember du- a movie. With, with Dulé Hill. What's What's... Chandler, what's the name of the TV show? Not Fletch. Uh, it's, um, coming up empty with, with the, the one with Dennis Quaid you were talking about earlier? No, no. Psych. Oh. The movie Psych. Not I mean the TV show Psych. That's where I got it from. Okay, here's the definition of the word flub. Look, you know, I please, like words. Please, please tell me it this means what I thought. To perform poorly. Yes. A blunder. Yeah. Or a bungle. Uh-huh. Yeah. A blunder. Yeah. yeah, it was a blunder. He flubbed the last shot. And lost the match. Yes. Hopefully the U.S. doesn't do that today. No. Hopefully the U.S. doesn't yeah. flub. No blunders. Yeah. <laughs> There's the title. <laughs> nope. No blunders. Yeah. No flubs. No flubs. I don't want no flubs. <laughs> <laughs> this Which is I going- can't stand that band. So You don't like them? No. Okay. No, I do all not. Right. All right. Because all their songs... Uh, Became so iconic uh-huh. that they got so overplayed, like "Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls" and all that. You know, like, yeah. oh, and I know I'll get crucified for this because I get it. They were an unbelievable group. So let me clarify that. I'm not speaking of their musical abilities. Okay, I just got so tired of their songs because they got played so much. So anyway, I don't go chasing waterfalls <laughs> in my will to be played. <laughs> <laughs> We're not playing that. Uh, yeah. 
You uh, can have I Heard It Both Ways on your tombstone, but you cannot have the song <laughs> in your service. Yeah. <laughs> All right. John chapter 17. It is Jesus's longest prayer. You preached the first part of it, mm-hmm. which was amazing to, to see Jesus praying for himself. Yeah. And, and that's why it's okay to pray for yourself. Yeah. Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And, and then I tackled um, the next part, Jesus praying for the disciples. Mm-hmm. And then there is a third part, Jesus praying for future disciples. Which I'm actually, this week, I'm actually talking about, we won't, still praying for the current disciples. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then the next one. Got yes. it. Got it. Um, so interesting. And I thought it was just fascinating, mind-blowing, knocked me down, uh, enamored me more. Yeah. with Jesus, how he prayed for his people. Yeah. How he prayed for us, how yeah. he, how he went through scripture and spoke scripture to the father mm-hmm. and how much he loved us and pleaded with the father. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to get into our, uh, Bible reading method called reap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've heard us talk about this before, but we're going to, we're going to key in on the last part. The first is, uh, what does God say? So it's, you know, read, mm-hmm. examine, mm-hmm. apply, mm-hmm. and pray. Yeah. So what does God say? What does he mean? What does he want us to do about it? And then pray through. Yeah. And we have this incredible example of Jesus praying the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely didn't flub it. No. 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 So um, take it from there. Um, what do you want me to do? You well, I, I really didn't have a question. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Yeah, it was, it was more. That was more of a handoff. Uh, it was more of a, a botched handoff. <laughs> you flubbed it. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, we were talking about this earlier, so I was just messing with you. Um, thank you. Yeah. No, it really is amazing. To your point, that um, you you were just struck by how Jesus. Um, in his darkest hour, you know, he's praying for us and, and then he's actually praying the scripture, the the God's word. And it is very striking. We were talking about this. I heard, I was listening to a message when I was driving to Arkansas, a series of messages that Tim Keller did on developing spiritual disciplines. And he talked about worship, singing, they were incredible and then got into Bible meditation and talked about how Bible meditation is the key to prayer. I think he actually called it the bridge to prayer. And he uses or talks about, obviously in the Psalms, um, like Psalm 1, where it talks about, um, you know, blessed is the person who meditates on this. Mm-hmm. It will be like a tree, you know, planted by water. Uh, and then he says the other one will be like chaff or chaff. And, and the interesting thing he was talking about (laughs) is how, you know, someone is like the intro to all the Psalms. It was placed there strategically because the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. Um, And we were talking about how in my early, really not only my early walk with Jesus, but even it wasn't until recently that, I realized just how shallow my prayers were. Like I would say, if you ask me, what's the one thing you struggle with without a doubt, I would say praying. I've said it from stage before, but I think one of the keys is the reason why I've struggled with it and why so many people struggle with it is we try to pray without using the word of God. 
and how Jesus gave this example of if he was going to speak to God, he was going to speak God's words back to God because God's word is what God loves to hear. And, and the book of the book of Psalms, you know, the 150 of them, not only the first one is an intro that tells you what's going to, how this is going to produce this result in your life, Mm -hmm. in our life, but it teaches us how to pray. Um, in that you see every emotion in the Psalms. And one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is how do we help people, which we'll talk more about this in abide that's coming up and, you know, we'll get into those disciplines there, but we wanted to kind of discuss it here to show this is what Jesus did. You know, Jesus, when he was praying, he was talking about God's word. And so Jesus obviously had a rich prayer life because obviously he knew the father, but he was also praying the words of God back to God. Mm-hmm. And so like on Psalm, you know, when he was on the cross, he quotes Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He wasn't just quoting that. It was double. He was quoting it on one hand to show that Psalm 22 was written about him mm-hmm. and that him doing what he was doing and quoting it was him fulfilling what mm-hmm. was written in Psalm 22. But what's striking is when Jesus was at his lowest point, what came out of him was the word of God. Wow. Um, so, you know, you've heard it like if you, you know, p- people that are fans of teams, like if you cut me, I bleed, you know, I bleed, bleed orange. Bleed orange. Yeah. You know, or I bleed maroon or I bleed whatever. Um, well, when you cut Jesus, he bled the scripture. Wow. You know, he bled the word. So on when he was on the cross, he wasn't just quoting Psalm 20. It's amazing if you could actually go read the rest of the psalm, uh, what it actually speaks about beyond what Jesus quotes. It's just fascinating. So Jesus wasn't just quoting the psalm as a way to say, like, well, I did that. He quoted the psalm because that's what he went to. That's what was he was saturated in. And so naturally, when you – this is the part that, again, is so amazing to me – it's like our prayers to God, if I'm reading, which is what REAP is about, if I'm reading a text, I'm examining it, I'm applying it, well, then you get to the part to the praying, well, your prayer life will actually become way more dynamic if you actually pray the scripture that you just read. Mm. You know, uh, like, let's just take Psalm 1, uh, God, I want to be blessed. You know, I want to be a person that's blessed, that and I want to meditate on your word. So help me meditate on your word day and night. You actually start praying through the text. Well, then that's going to give you words to say. And, and the words that you are saying are God's words. And now you're saying God's words back to God. Well, naturally, God's going to answer the request uh, that his word is talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like who doesn't love hearing their words back to them? Who doesn't mm-hmm. love in a relationship? And to where I think so often we, at least I, my prayers were so shallow. It's like, well, I prayed for everybody that's sick. I prayed for this and that. And I was like, five minutes, I prayed for the trees. And Tim was talking about, Tim Keller was talking about this in a sermon when he was very young in his faith. Um, a lady that was a Bible, uh, like a, uh, I don't know if it was at his church or whatever. I can't remember, but she was a, like a Bible study teacher and he was doing a study with her, and she said she led him and this group of people 
and said, okay, I want you to sit down with this text. And it was like one scripture in Mark. I can't remember which one. Not even a very long one. She said, okay, we're going to take the next 30 minutes and we're, I want you to write down 50 things that jump out at you in this text. And so Tim talked about how, you know, he was like 30 minutes and 50 things. So he sits there with five minutes, goes through, and he's got a few things, then 10 minutes and goes through. He's reading it over again. He's meditating on it. 15 minutes, you know, reads through. Finally, 30 minutes goes by. And then she did this, and this is the part that was so striking to Tim and to me. She said, okay, now that y'all have done that, I wanted to ask you a question. Who here, like, found something, like, life-changing that you read in this text and that really, like, spoke to you, really jumped out at you? Of course, everybody raised their hand. They had found something Mm life-changing. And then she said, okay, next question. Which one of you found that life-changing thing five minutes in? No hands went up. She said, okay, which one of you found it at 10 minutes in? No hands went up. Which one of you found it at 15 minutes in? No hands went up. Okay, which one of you found it at about 20 minutes in? Then some hands went up. And then 25 minutes in, then the rest of the hands went up. Wow. And the point that he was making is you got to meditate it in it long enough to where you're actually reading it and rereading it and rereading it and praying it and rereading it and praying it. Like actually interacting with it, like the longer you do that, then something life changes is going to come out at you. I see that. Yeah. And that happened this past week. Mm. Um, It happened this past week with those verses that I preached on on Sunday. It was not two weeks ago when I started reading those verses. Yeah. It wasn't Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. It wasn't Friday night. It was Saturday that the depth of Jesus's love for us. Yeah. Struck and, you. And, and it was, I mean, it just stopped me Yeah, and caused me to actually change some stuff. Yeah. And, and I didn't use this and I just wrote this down. Um, the, the darkest hour I did talk about in, in his darkest hour, we were on his mind. Yeah. But in his darkest hour, not only were we on his mind, but the word was in his mouth. Mm. And so I don't know if they're equal, but his love for us, knowing where he was about to go, mm-hmm. was so deep, mm-hmm. he petitioned to the Father mm-hmm. for him to keep us yeah, and to protect us. Yeah. Well, to that point, I thought of this when you just said that. You said we were on his mind and the word was in his mouth. Well, the Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. So you could take it one step deeper yep. and you can say we were on his mind, but the word was in his heart, mm. you know, um, that's good because yeah, out of our heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. That was another thing Tim was talking about in this sermon where uh, I don't remember who it was that he quoted, but the guy studied Jesus and in the gospels and there was 1800 instances of Jesus talking or 1800 verses Maybe it was 1800, ver- it was 1,800 verses, I think, of, that we have recorded in the Gospels of Jesus talking. And then he looked at it, well, 10% of those verses, so 180 of them, were him quoting Scripture. So 10% of everything Jesus said was the actual words of God. Because what comes out of your mouth is in your heart. Mm-hmm. So think about that in our own life. 
Can we say that 10% of everything that we say is actually the word of God? Like <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. I mean, I, we preach, right? We're pastors. We deal with the Bible. Um, and there's no way I can, I would, mm-hmm. I can't even say 1% of everything I say mm-hmm. is the actual word of God. Yeah. Cause we use somewhere between 10 and 25,000 words a day. Yeah. Males do. Yeah. Females are much higher. Um, and, but yeah, think about that. Like that is a sobering thing to think of like 10% of all the words Jesus spoke were actually God's words. Why? Because God's word was in his heart. Mm. And you take this, is it the Psalm where a proverb says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm-hmm. So Jesus obviously was human. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted, but yet he was without sin. Mm. So if you do a correlation there, well, he was without sin because what was in his heart was God's word. And that's what was coming out of him, coming out of his mouth, coming out of his actions. And so what we're talking about this is if we really want to see life change, if we really want to speak differently, act differently, and this goes back to what I said two weeks ago, we're going to receive the revelation. We're going to, re- we're going to let God's words define our worth. God's words you know, define who we are as people. And so, yeah, Jesus was defined by the word of God so that if you squeezed him, what came out was the word mm-hmm. to the point to where it was just natural, mm-hmm. you know, well, we can live now by the power of the spirit through the, through the resurrection of Jesus. We can live similar type of holy lives. Of course, we're never, we're not Jesus. We can't be Jesus. But the Bible still commands us to be holy. You know, the Bible still commands us to be set apart, which is interesting. And I'm, I've mentioned this in, in verses, in sermons before. You know, people love to quote the one verse that we have in 1 John that says God is love. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves that verse. Right. Well, we only have one verse mm-hmm. that says God is love. But we have over 400 verses that says God is holy. Yep. Well, I never thought about this before. But when you put those two things together, we, we think of God's holiness as like a separate attribute, like his holiness is here, his love, he has all these attributes. And I actually think that's a wrong way to think about it. Hmm. And what I mean by that is God's holiness is his defining attribute. It's the one attribute yes. that then affects all the other ones. So what I'm saying is it's not that God is holy and God is love. No, God's love is holy. God's mercy is holy. God's justice is holy. So any other attribute, his sovereignty is holy because his defining or his, his core characteristic is his holiness. And what I mean by that, his holiness, holiness means set apart. Mm -hmm. So God's love is a set apart kind of love. God's justice is a set apart kind of justice. God's mercy is a set of, it's different. That's the defining characteristic. So his holiness is the, is the core of who he is. So therefore his love is a holy kind of love, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the reason I'm going with that, was kind of a train of thought that I had. So Jesus was holy. And and when he lived a physical life, you know, the word became flesh to other in his physical life, he was a holy person. And obviously he was God 
And so his, he was two natures, one person. So his godness was holy, but his humanness actually had to grow in holiness. Mm. Um, and so his humanness was holy in, in the virgin birth, you know, how it came about. Um, his father was literally God. You know, he didn't have a human father. So his flesh was human to start, his flesh was human and holy to start with. But he actually had to grow in that holiness too. And that's the part about Jesus that we don't think about. Like, we just think that he's superhuman. No, he wasn't superhuman. He was a holy human, mm. which was different. Yeah. So his holiness was, was, he was differentiated from birth. And we're kind of getting really technical here, but I'm going somewhere. So he was born differently than we are, but he also maintained his holiness. You know, and the Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. So his humanness had to grow. Well, how did he do that? That's the point I'm trying to make. Mm. So he grew in his, well, he remained in his holiness. He remained in his set apartness by meditating on the word. Mm. Um, so if we want the, the holiness of God, which Hebrew says, without which we will not see God then we will develop a life of letting the words of God differentiate us. The words of God make us holy, like Jesus is holy, to the point to where our love will be a holy love. Our relationships will be a holy relationship. Our mercy will be a holy mercy. And, and I don't like it how people capitulate those two things against each other. Like God's mercy and his justice are two sides of the same or like they're like opposed to each other. Well, not, they're not. He's full of both grace and truth. He's full of both. Why? Because that's what the holiness is. Right, right. It's a set apartness. So we can't get the holiness or the set apartness if we don't also do what Jesus did, which was he meditated on the law. He did Psalm 1. He meditated on the law day and night. He was like a tree planted by water that yielded its fruit in season, mm. you know, every season. So in the, in the worst season of Jesus's life, he was still fruitful because he had developed a life um, of, of faithfulness outside of that. You know, and we talked about this maybe on the last podcast where we said, we're not going to rise to the occasion. We're going to fall to our training. Right. Was it that last one when we were talking one, about gratitude? One, one of them. Yeah. I've heard it both ways. Um, <laughs> so that's what we're talking about. And again, trying to put all this together. If we want that, then what do we say all the time? What do we need to do to get what we want? Right. You know, I want to be holy. There's one consistent prayer. I pray all the time, which is God make me holy. Mm -hmm. If I could ask one thing of God, that would be it. I want to be holy. Um, because again, at the core of my being, if I'm holy, then every other part of me will be right. Mm. My love for myself, my love for my neighbors, my love for my wife, my generosity, my time, everything else will be in its rightful. I will be faithful in those areas if I have this one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was trying to say about God. It's his holiness that differentiates him in right. every other characteristic. Right. So we should want that one characteristic too. Holiness. Mm -hmm. So if there's one prayer we could pray, it would be God make me holy. Well, what I failed to realize 
the way God answers that prayer is not by some magical pixie dust. We're like, oh, sweet, you're holy now. No, I have to look at the life of Jesus and imitate him, which is I have a life where I'm meditating on the word. I'm praying the word. I'm praying the word for myself. I'm praying the word for my, you know, people I'm discipling, my family, my church. And then I'm praying for the word for future people. So what we see Jesus doing in John 17 is just what Jesus did every day of his life is mm. what I'm getting at. Mm. That's where it takes it even, even deeper. Right. Than what, he didn't just pray John 17 right before he was crucified. Right. He was praying John 17 all the time, mm. all the time. And, and he actually tells the disciples, I talk to God like this all the time. I'm only doing it out loud right now for your benefit so that you can hear how I talk to him all the time. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's stunning to think about that right before Jesus died, he prayed for us like this, but it's even more stunning to think about, but he prayed for us, us like that every day. You know, one of the uh, benefits that we have of going through the Bible, the way we do going verse by verse through <laughs> through the gospel according to John or through Romans or through Micah is that we get to look ahead. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage anybody listening who goes to revolution, watches revolution online to um, read ahead. You, you know, it's going to be the next few verses in, yeah. in John chapter 17 and meditate on it. Yes. Spend time, spend time with it. Uh, you know, the Christianese word is camp out. Yeah, in it. sit with it, yeah, whatever. But, yeah. but, but read it over and over again. Then when you get to Thursday night, when you get to Sunday, and you hear Pastor Jason preach these verses, you know, maybe God is going to speak to you in a different way because you spend enough time in it. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe you're going to come up with the same things. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that like on Thursday night when I'm sitting there hearing the message for the first time, yeah. uh, if I have had... Uh, enough time during the week. I, I, I'm ahead. I know what these verses are. I'm 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 ready to go. What what's, yeah. what's Pastor Jason going to say about these verses uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Um, and then there are other times where I haven't looked at it at all. Yeah. And I'm hearing it for the first time, and I think that's that that's not a good way for me to learn the Word. Yeah, and whether it's before or after, because that yeah. that's the same reason why our groups. We have sermon-based small groups. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because we don't want to throw a lot of information at people. You know, we're the old school, like where I went. We, I got, went to Sunday school. I got a lesson. I went to church. I got a different lesson. I went to church that night, got a different lesson. So we were throwing a bunch of stuff at people, hoping some of it stuck. Mm. Where what we're saying is we're taking a different approach. We're, we're saying fewer things to you, and we want you to go deeper into it. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and meditation, it's interesting. Um since we're on this subject, I was thinking about this when you were talking about it. We tend to think of meditation as an Eastern practice, and there, therefore we think of it as anti-biblical. You know, it is, it is unorthodox to do, because when we think of meditation, we think of transcendental med meditation, like a very Buddhist idea of meditation, mm -hmm. which that idea is you're trying to actually empty your mind. Mm. The, the focus is on yourself, and you're trying to empty your mind. Um, 
But that is not the biblical idea of meditation. Mm-mm. You know, the, the commandment to meditate is all over the Bible. And biblical meditation is not trying to empty my mind. It's trying to fill my mind right. with the truth. You know, and so it's actually focusing my mind. And, and what's interesting, it's like, you know, if we had a cup of water here and it was full of dirt, um, you know, there's two ways you could clean it out. You could pour over the dirt and pour out the dirt. That's the idea of transcendental meditation. I'm trying to get all this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Or I can just start pouring a bunch of water into it. When I start pouring a bunch of water into it, eventually over time, the dirt's going to come out. Mm-hmm. That's a biblical idea of meditation. And so at least in my life, and I do think for the, the at least American kind of Western, you know, enlightened kind of Christian, you, you know, we divide the world Western and Eastern. We, we tend to think of those things as Eastern. And so therefore they, we reject them to where meditation should not be rejected. Right. All, all meditation is, it, it's, the, it's the E and A part of reap. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what most people do is they read the Bible Okay, I read that text. Okay, cool. Now let me go through my prayer list. Mm. What we're saying is no, bring it together. Right. And and then add a couple of steps. Read it. Okay, here's what he said. Now read it again. That's examining it. You know, that's meditating. Oh, okay, I'm going to read it again. What did he say here? Why did he say that? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, that's an interesting thing. Blessed. Okay, what is that? Okay, well, I'm going to be blessed if I meditate on that. I'll be like a tree. Okay, what does that mean? A tree, water, nutrient. You start meditating. Yes. You start picturing it. You start, you start working with it. You start thinking about it. It's, it's engaging your mind mm-hmm. into it. And then you apply it and say, okay, man, how, how you ask questions of it. How, what does this mean for me? How do I do this? And then you pray it, God, I want to be a blessed person. Would you help me to do these things? God, I want, well, then say so that whole process takes you 20, 30 minutes. That's meditation, the whole thing. And so I think the key to prayer and Bible reading is the bridge between the two, which is meditation on the Bible. And so if we can read it, meditate on it and pray it now, I think we're going to unlock a level of of enjoyment mm-hmm. and also transformation that can happen because the word is alive. Yes. It's getting in me. Mm-hmm. It's messing with me. It's changing me. It's making me holy. It's mm-hmm. setting me apart. That's good. It's clean cleaning out the dirt by adding in the water. Um and and that's gonna have a transformative effect. And so again, I think the reason and this is what was true in my life. I had such a shallow spirituality for a long time because I was reading the Bible and praying, but I wasn't connecting them. And the key to connecting them is biblical meditation is actually meditating on it, examining it and apply it. That's what we're talking about. That's why we love the reap method so much because it is so fruitful and it's so simple. Um, I mean, again, you think about Jesus, a tenth of everything he said was the word of God. Well, they didn't have it written down back mm-hmm. then. So where did he get that from? Right. It was in his mind. Right. And it was in, on his heart and it came out of his mouth because obviously he had to be reading that. So what, 
back then you actually had to go to the synagogue and open up the scrolls and read it, which we saw him when he was 12 years old doing that. And we don't have hardly anything of Jesus's life from 12 to 30. And I think one of the reasons why is we don't really need it. What he was doing at 12, when he said, I have to be at my father's house, he was doing it at 13. Mm. He was doing it at 14. He was doing it at 15. So I think one of the reasons why we don't have all that information, because we would look at it and think it's really boring. He's doing the same thing. He's doing the same thing. He wasn't a rebellious teenager. No. Not only was he not a rebellious teenager in that sense, but his life would have looked really boring to us. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, typology-wise, it was like David and the sheep. You know, David was prepared for the kingdom to be a king by being a shepherd. Mm-hmm. He was prepared for the palace by being out in the field. Jesus was prepared for his ministry by being a carpenter, by just doing daily disciplined things, holy set apart mm. things. So if we would develop that kind of life um, where we are reaping, we're meditating, we're praying the scriptures, then we can have a kind of fruitful life like Jesus did. Mm. We can have a fruitful life if we'll develop a faithful life. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, I don't want anybody to be discouraged because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning this too. So uh, we all are. Um, so if, if you haven't read the scriptures that way, if you haven't yeah. read your Bible that way, start today. Exactly. You know, best times 20 years ago to plant a tree. Yeah. The second best time is, is, today. is, is today and, and start today because the more we get through John, the more we get into next year, the more we get into our 21 days of prayer and fasting, the more we get into our season of abide, mm-hmm. this will serve you well. Oh, of course. And we're going to give you 21 scriptures next year that are yeah. core scriptures in the life of this church. And yeah. they're from the Bible, so they're core scriptures in the yeah. Bible. And those core scriptures, if you read them and meditate on them, examine and apply them, mm-hmm. and then pray through them, that will serve you well in the way you lead your family, the way you... Uh, associate with other people at work, yeah. the way you love your neighbor, everything that you were talking about. Yeah. So it, it's an exciting thing. And um, I don't know about anybody else. I stopped starting things on January 2nd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I start in like November. Because mm. um, I, 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 I need a head start. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to wait until then. So great time uh, before Christmas to to begin that process of reaping the verses, meditating on the verses and praying through them. Yeah. In fact, we are, uh, we were talking about this as well. One of the projects I have to do for my class, um, my spiritual formation class this semester is develop a curriculum and I'm going to develop a, we've talked about this even on this before and at church, our, our new discipleship strategy, you know, where we rolled it out a couple years ago and we said, it's going to take us time to implement this. Mm-hmm you know, where we had gatherings, teams, groups, the 12 and then the three. Well, the last one is the three, which is discipleship groups or whatever we call them. And I'm developing a curriculum for that that is going to be based around a lot of this stuff about spiritual formation and that one to three kind of relationship where you're really being discipled, you know, into these kind of spiritual formation things. And the the key to that, uh, just kind of echoing what you're saying, is 
Um, that's one of the reasons why we want to develop that and have these kind of smaller groups where, you know, a, a guy's taking three guys, a lady's taking three ladies through these things. Because I do think so many of us feel wholly inadequate. And I know I did forever. Mm-hmm. And but that's why we want to develop this and, and help because we want to help people. Because it really is, it, it's as simple as some daily disciplines, but it's as hard as actually doing some daily disciplines. And so we want to develop this to try to really help people because I do think a lot of people just feel like I could never be like that. I could never do that. And, and you can, Mm -hmm. that we just don't, either we don't understand grace. Mm -hmm. You know, we think grace is a license like we've talked about Mm -hmm. or, um, but no, it's the power of God to actually do right. But it's grace-empowered obedience and um, how, how grace actually works in our life. Grace forgives us and empowers us. And I think there's so many of us, as we've talked about that from John 16, the, the spirit, our advantage, the helper, he's here to help us. He's here to empower us. And so I do sense that, especially in our church, there's a hunger for people that want that. Mm-hmm. They want to live a spirit-filled life. They want to live life to the fullest, but they just don't know how to do it. And I think that uh, I love, again, in my couple, I love Dallas Willard. I've talked about him a lot. But one of the things that, and I didn't, I'd never heard this quote before, but my professor said it, Dr. Wilhoit, uh, his favorite Dallas quote was, the air is free, but you still have to breathe. And the point he was that Dallas was making there, the air is free. That's grace, but you still have to breathe it in. Mm-hmm. And so the air is free, but we got to breathe. Well, there's a lot of Christians just don't know how to breathe. Don't know how to have a daily life because, you know, thank God, God made breathing a part of whatever that system in our body that's uh, involuntary. We don't have to think about it. We just do it. Well, if we can develop habits like that in our life where we we build them into where they just become a part of us where we don't have to think about mm-hmm. them. It'll become like breathing. Mm-hmm. We'll know how to do it. And it's not that complicated. Um, but I do think a lot of people just never start because they don't know how, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about. And so where I was going with all that, you talked about the new year. One of the things we're going to work about is I would tell people do not make new year's resolutions, right? Don't do that. Uh, because you're almost always not going to do them. The better thing to do is develop a rule of life. Yes. Develop rhythms that you want to, to create. That's all a rule of life. And that's part of what this discipleship curriculum will be. Developing a rule of life or rhythms in your life that help you breathe, help you take in, you know, the word of God and grace. And then you'll, you'll have a, a faithful, holy, set apart, fruitful life. So, Anyway, I just encourage people in the same way that you said, yeah, I I think a lot of times there's so many of us that just get so discouraged about where we are. Mm -hmm. And in the same way of losing weight, we think working out one time, we're going to see massive results. (laughs) We won't. Mm -hmm. It's going to take doing the same thing over six weeks, Mm -hmm. over six months. Again, that's what I was talking about. Jesus's life looked pretty boring from 12 to 30 because it was him breathing. Mm -hmm. It was him doing all those involuntary things that he needed to do in order to grow as a human in his, in his own stature and favor and holiness. 
um, that then prepared him. You know, he started his ministry at 30 and then he went into the wilderness for, for 40 days, right? To be, well, the word was already in him when he was in the wilderness. Right. Be- because of the, the 30 years prior of right. him breathing it in. He breathed it in and then he breathed it out. So that's the point we're trying to make. We won't breathe it out if we don't have a life of discipline of breathing it in. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I, I that struck me in, in the message this past weekend was if we're going to speak the word mm-hmm. to God in our prayers, if we're going to speak the word over our spouses, mm-hmm. if we're going to speak the word as encouragement to our friends, we have to have the word in us. We yeah. have to have uh, the the Bible verses in us. And, you know, sometimes I would think to myself, well, I'm, I'm not good at memorization. Yeah. And then I realized, no, I am. I just, I just choose to memorize different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I can rattle off all the uh, gold medal winners from 1964 to 1984. Yeah, which well, is crazy. Why is that? Yeah. And, and where it happened. Yeah. You know, 1968, Mexico City, Jim Ray Hines. <laughs> why, why, is that, why is that a thing for yeah. me? Uh, or was it Bob Hayes? It was it was nineteen sixty four, nineteen sixty eight. I wasn't um, born. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so so even when I'm thinking I can't do it, oh I I look at other parts of my life. No, I can. Yeah. And and folks, I want to encourage you. You can by the power of the Spirit. Of course you can. We all can. Yeah. Yeah. We have. It's not a matter of time, and it's not a matter of energy. It's just a matter of what do you really want. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing. If you don't want it, if there's, if you're like, that's what I learned how to pray too. Uh, there's been times like, God, I don't want to read your word right now. Would you help me? Mm-hmm. Help me to actually want to do it. Yes. I told you that was one of, that's yes. one of my prayers all the time Yes, is keep me in a passion for your word. Exactly. I don't want to ever get to a place where I don't love it. Yes. So, um, yeah, call on him. He will answer. Yes. Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, really good stuff, uh, today on praying the word and other things that we, Wasted 10 minutes on. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the Grow People podcast for a transcript of this show. Just write down everything we say. Our producer, there's actually three people involved in this, and there's more, obviously. Uh, but our producer is Chandler Elder, and our uh, vit, our photographer, Chandler is more of our videographer. Yeah. Uh, our photographer is Mason Bumgarner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chandler, what would you call Billy? Is, is he our key grip? Um. Uh, Assistant extraordinaire. Assistant, our <laughs> assistant key extraordinaire. Grip? It, key grip. It's a title for it's somebody. A production term. Oh, production I didn't term. know that. Oh yeah, I didn't oh, yeah. know On that. film sets yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, you don't watch the end of the movie. You don't watch the credits, do you? No. Okay. No, I love that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's some other people involved. Uh, our head of doctrine and theology is theologian. Yep. Yep. <laughs> our chief evangelist is salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer, of course, is lukewarm. Uh, our translator is Lexi Khan, our lineage specialist, genealogy. Uh, our director of Swedish witnessing <laughs> is Bjorn again. <laughs> our overseer of Godfather ordinances, Fredo baptism. Uh, our five point legalist is Cal Vanism. And our director of holiness joining the program today is Mortification. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that up when I was talking about holiness? No. Oh, you I wrote, had it. I wrote, Ironically, we talked about holiness, yeah. and that was the one yep, you added. That was the one I added. Sounds well, like there's a guy. I added two, but I have to run one by you first. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and as we always end the show, the best advice ever. Trust God and take a nap. See ya. See ya. See ya.